Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome. This is the seventh dose of Magic for Realists, and I'm really glad you're listening. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I'm making this podcast to celebrate the magic I see in the everyday world and to elevate that, to share it with you, to hopefully encourage you to see some of your own magic and to share some tips and tricks that I've discovered along the way that help me to live a more grounded and enjoyable experience. So I hope you enjoy. I've been reflecting lately on this medium of a podcast because it's rather new to me. And I notice a few things. It's like public speaking of a sort. It's oration. I'm talking one-sided. However, my audience is invisible and not there at the time when I'm speaking. And this, I notice that it adds kind of a, there's a strange, not quite purity, but uh, a different kind of honesty is possible because you're not reacting right in front of me when I've, when I've done public speaking or um, led s- public services for people of sorts. They're reacting right in front of me. I can, I can vibe off that, which is lovely and also a different kind of intimidating. In this case, I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, I never know exactly what you're thinking, but I don't get to see your faces if you're bored or if you're cheering or if you're smiling or if you're like pensive or confused. So I'm just doing my thing and then you listen. And also, if you don't want to listen anymore, I'm not going to know if you stop listening. If you just pause this and never come back to it, I'm not going to know. Like I can tell in total how many people have listened, but I can't tell if you stopped and like gave up. Whereas if we were in a room and you walked out, I wouldn't know. And this, I just wanted to point that out. This is a different medium. And uh, all that to say, thank you for listening, if you're still listening. And if you do want to get in touch and tell me what you think and say hello and wave or just let me know who you are and what you enjoyed or didn't enjoy and what part you walked out on, um, that would be great. Uh, there's a few different ways to get in touch with me, which I will put in the show notes and also at the end of the episode. In this seventh dose, it's called A Day of Rest. And it's inspired by the number of the episode, number seven, because there's seven days in our calendar week. And this number seven is the the rhythm that we live most often of this week. Well, Actually, we live days more often, seven days of the week. And I want to touch on this idea of a day of rest, of a Sabbath, of there being one day that is different from the rest. And I don't come from a particularly strong, uh, I'm not Jewish and I'm not Seventh-day Adventist. Um, So I didn't grow up with a really strict Sabbath practice. Uh, But I did grow up with Sundays being special and I want to talk a bit about that 
and a bit about the history of Sabbath in the Bible, and then I want to give you some tips about napping and some other stuff mixed in there. So, if you are feeling stressed or frantic, I was going to say find a peaceful spot, but maybe you just want to like go for a run and listen to this at the same time. I've been feeling, this is an ironic topic for this week because I've been feeling really buzzy. Like I've been feeling the opposite of restful this week. Like it's been feeling like I'm caffeinated like almost all the time. And I don't drink caffeine. I sometimes drink decaf coffee. And yeah, so if I sound a little bit um, faster, (laughs) I'm going to try and slow my voice down. But I'm feeling still quite buzzy. So that's the um, personal what's going on in my atmosphere. And I'm talking about rest. So we already have a little bit of a... (laughs) Um, I'm pulling my hands apart, kind of like a tension. There's this, I wonder if we need a more like a elasticity, like between those two of buzzing and rest. So as I said, I grew up uh, going to church and Sundays were a special day. And there was this notion that we should treat them differently. Like there were certain things that we shouldn't do on Sundays. One of them, like that we would be holier, like better at, um, which is a misuse of the term holy, by the way, but that was better. And maybe God would love us more if we treated Sunday, especially this was my childhood notion. Like we weren't supposed to do chores and which is all part of that. Like chores are bad. What? Like God doesn't love chores. Like since when? Anyways, since way back turns out. (laughs) So a few things I wasn't supposed to do. Wasn't supposed to do chores, like clean the house. Wasn't supposed to play sports. So I didn't get to go to soccer practice. Well, I just didn't get to play sports because most sports games are on Sundays. And that was like not the Lord's work. So I missed out on team sports. I didn't vacuum on Sundays. And just this general sense like, oh, probably not shopping. We didn't shop most of the time anyway, so that one was easy. And then, so this little girl, me, I'm trying to be good, right? Trying to, like, you know, keep this Sunday day sort of special. We go to church, always, and then have some sort of, like, restful afternoon. It never quite made sense to me why on the rest day you have to get up and get dressed in the nicest clothes and go to church. Like, that was, Saturdays felt like the restful morning, Because that's when we got to have pancakes or waffles and like not be in a rush. So I'm already a little bit confused about this rest phenomena. And then on weekends when I would go to my dad's house, because my parents were divorced, um, then different rules at my dad's house. They don't go to church. And (laughs) I was at one point in sort of like maybe 12, 13, I'm trying to be like, like good and consistent for God all the time. So now it's really confusing that at my dad's house, Sundays are when chores happen. Like Saturday's the play day and Sunday we clean the house, which I kind of felt like wasn't fair since I didn't live there. 
I was like, wait, I think I should only have to clean like a proportion of the what I use here. Like I only show up for a few days a month and now I have to clean for... <laughs> this is my 11-year-old logic. And then to put on top of it, I'm supposed to clean on Sunday, which is bad for God. So now I'm in a pickle. So I struggled with that for a while. And then I finally worked up the courage and told my stepmom that I didn't want to clean the house on Saturday, on Sundays. But I'd be willing to clean it on Saturdays, which just threw off the whole rhythm. But somehow I thought God would like me more, which was of great concern. Anyways, she lovingly obliged and was like, okay, well, we can just decide what you're going to do and you can do it on Saturday instead. But then on Sunday, she's still vacuuming and everybody else. So I can't like can't really rest and enjoy it because the house is like in all this flurry of activity of house cleaning. (laughs) So it's like the worst of both worlds. I tell you all this, partly because maybe you have some humorous version you can relate to, and also as this to already illustrate that I think, personally, the point is not the rules, and and I don't think God loves me more if I clean the house one day of the week or not. My whole notion of God is another long segment. But the point that I I now have come back around to appreciating more than I even did when I was a kid is the value of actually just resting, like having a day that's different than the rest. And this is not of concern to me now whether God thinks it's a good idea in this patriarchal man on high kind of way, like as if my big biggest of daddies will give me treats if I do. But perhaps there is something in this notion of Sabbath, of resting for a day, that will actually be rewarding to us. Maybe it's intrinsically rewarding. Maybe we're actually more productive. Maybe we are uh, revitalized in a way that really feels good. That's what I've come to get to. I actually, I think I believe it. It's not just a guess. So to go back, the the word Sabbath I'm using is from the Jewish tradition, and many Christians use it as well. And in the Bible, if you're familiar with it or not, there's lots of talk about the Sabbath. The Old Testament, which is the first part, and chronicles different stories of the development of the tribe of Israel and the Jewish people, the Sabbath factors greatly into the rules that God gives the people. And so way back in Exodus, the name of the book in the Bible, which is about the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt and going wandering for a long time, symbolically 40 years, and then arriving in the, quote, promised land. All throughout that story is these rules about how to how the Sabbath works. The Sabbath being the rest day. And the reason for this, the, the reason given for why the Sabbath happens is because of their creation story, which is that God made the world in six days and then he rested. Now, in my reading, all these creation stories are amazing poems about one way of talking about the origin of things. 
And so I'm not concerning myself with proving any kind of literal understanding. But if we sink into the poetry of this, the there's this element of the way things were made is that they the way creation happens is that there's a lot of activity and then there's rest. There's a lot of activity and then there's rest. And that the huge forces that make the world follow that pattern. So we should too. That's like when you strip it all down and not read the nitty gritty of the rules, which admittedly are kind of interesting and may also have something to teach us. But let's, let's feel that thread. The, like if you know the famous Ten Commandments, one of them is keep the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Holy in this sense means set apart, special, reverent. And yeah, just uh, kind of like, not sealed off, but set apart. We're like, this one's special. Like this day is special, it's not like the rest. And that the, the forces that create make a lot of action for six days and then rest. And as I'm saying this, I'm kind of moving forward with my hand, like a lot of action, and then I'm pulling back and resting. And that that, so the, the reason given in the Old Testament is that God made the earth in six days and then rested, which I believe is a way of saying, this is how the pattern of, of creation, things getting made, coming into existence. This is how it works and you should follow it. And we are creators. We are very much gods in that sense that we bring the world into being. We think of something and then make it. Our thoughts materialize as things that a while ago could only be imagined, including a podcast, including a phone, including amazing vehicles, including sweaters and art. We think of things and then create them. We are gods. And would we not do very well to follow this same rhythm of working, acting, creating for six days, and then taking a pause? And this cyclical, it's like, the, it's like a winter, it's like a rest. In further on in Exodus, as the, the rules for how these people are going to live together get elaborated, the seven comes up often, including seven years, or sorry, six years are going to plant your crops, and the seventh year you let it rest. Like crop rotation, that the land itself needs to also follow this pattern. And oh my goodness, we are not doing this. Current modern society is on this, it's, it's, I want to use the term hellbent. It seems hellbent on productivity and continued action which is killing us. It's killing our bodies. It's killing our relationships. It's killing the land. And it's interesting because in Exodus, if you're following along, the crop rotations is in Exodus 23. Those are divided into small chapters. And in Exodus 31, there's a basically like a threat. If you don't follow the Sabbath, God's going to kill you. And the God of the Old Testament is not very, like, mushy, soft, and um, not like a pillow you can pray to. There's some, like, there's lots of wrath and consequence 
And one fascinating way to read the Bible is of the as a record of the evolution of humans' understanding of the divine nature, and that it, it goes from very wrathful in pre-agrarian and agrarian societies and changes and morphs over time. And the Bible itself can be seen as an account of the evolution of God, as in humans' understanding of the divine. Whew, that's a little deep side note. Okay, back to... So crop rotation, that, and this, this threat that God will kill us if we don't follow the Sabbath. I, I see that, like, we don't need a God outside of ourselves because the, the system, like, the, the pattern itself will be unsustainable if we don't rest. We are seeing that in so many ways. And I believe this ancient practice of Sabbath actually holds something for us that is very useful to build into our rhythms rest that we need to have a day where it's different and i i think that the weekly rhythm is is as good a one as any to try and maybe even the best as far as our human lived rhythm obviously in a garden the seven year rhythm makes more sense you're not going to like plant seeds well, in the act of planting, you might plant for six days and then rest. But the land itself, you're not going to tear up the plants on the seventh day. So it's, a, it's the cycle of rest in proportion to the creation. Do you feel the rhythm to like make something, action, and then rest? And that that's what keeps us vital. That's what keeps the land vital, is that need for the rest. Then along comes Jesus into Jesus was born a Jew. People don't say that often enough. And Jesus wasn't a Christian, duh, because that came about after. Jesus was a Jew, and so he would have grown up in a in a society steeped in this Sabbath culture and with lots and lots of rules. Like there was all the Exodus rules and then the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were like extra politically religious leaders of the day were getting more and more and more into the nitty gritty, like, you know, can you do this on the Sabbath? What about this? How far can you walk? What about if you break your ankle? I'm just riffing. This is not what it actually says. Can you turn on the light switch? They didn't have light switches. The point being all these nitpicky, what, what does rest mean? Which admittedly sounds very stressful. And it's like me as a little kid being like, wait, can I vacuum? Is it Saturday or Sunday? Like, I don't know. What does God think? The whole thing being more stressful than if I just chilled out. I think my understanding of the rest day and Sabbath started to shift when I, when I learned that pastors take Mondays off. That's like quite common. For pastors, Sunday is their absolute work day. It's the most working day of the week. When I discovered this, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. This is throwing a little bit of a wrench in things because pastors are supposed to be the ones closest to God or something. And they're the ones working the hardest on Sunday and resting on Monday. So I'm not sure that it really matters what day of the week. See, it starts to kind of crumble a little bit at that point. And, and Jesus is on a similar thing. The, he was often, so the religious leaders, 
are often trying to trap Jesus in kind of like conundrums. There's lots of stories in the Jesus stories. The books of the, of the Bible called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, also known as the Gospels, are where the stories about Jesus are recorded that made it into the Bible. There's lots of other stories like the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of, ooh, Nicaea? I'm mixing it up. Nice. Okay, don't remember. But lots of the Jesus stories that we know are from those main Gospels. And Jesus is often getting trapped. No, he's, they're trying to trap him with these questions of, you know, like what happens if this and like loopholes and tricky things. And they'd give him Sabbath puzzles, you know, like what happens if your donkey falls into a hole? Can you pull it out on a, on a, on the Sabbath? Cause that's work. But like the donkey's going to die otherwise, things like that. And to sum up Jesus's response, it's that Sabbath was made for people and not people for the Sabbath. Like the point of the Sabbath is is rest and rejuvenation and it was made for people's benefit. It's not some like thing that exists in hyper hyper why <laughs> I want to say hyperspace. My hands are above my head like, you know, some realm that we can't touch. And we're not like the point is not for us to serve Sabbath. It's the other way around. It's for our benefit. And which is just a beautiful way of of summing up and and returning to the point of of the practice. So what does this mean for me? Currently, I have no firm Sabbath practice. I I don't have a particular day of the week that I seal off, but I do have a rhythm of knowing that I need a rest day. And sometimes rest means I need it all to myself. I need to rest from socialization and and not really seem at people. Sometimes rest means I need to stay at home and not travel anywhere. Not get on my bike, not get in my car, just stay at home. Sometimes rest means I need to not be involved with my phone and not have that just little drafty window at the back of my head where anybody could message me at any point. Sometimes rest means just having no plan and letting go of all those rules and getting in my car whenever I want and talking with everybody on the phone and going shopping and whatever else I want. I still don't play soccer though. Mostly because I don't really know how to play soccer. (laughs) And last time I tried to play California kickball, I really hurt my knee. That's the last time I was involved with a soccer ball. All this to say, my current practice of Sabbath is just about feeling that need for rest and of honoring it and and trying to honor the the cycles even larger than a week of when do I need a full weekend? When do I need a week off? When do I need these pauses? And and the thing that we might consider work or to be a, a drain on our energy is probably the thing we need rest from. A wise rabbi named Abraham Joshua Heschel, who's a more modern, um, he's passed away now, but in the last century, uh, Jewish rabbi, 
talks a lot about Sabbath as well in a modern revisiting of it. And one of the things I have taken away from his writings is about how Sabbath is to teach us that the world can go on without us. That the world can go on without us. Because we can get really important. Feel, we can feel really important. We can feel really necessary. And we really like feeling necessary. Like, don't we love thinking that, you know, our, our household might fall apart if we didn't do anything? Or that our work might fall apart if we weren't there? Like, we like feeling indispensable. And Sabbath is about reminding us that we are dispensable. That if you disappear, the world's going to go on kind of fine. So cease, cease the activity and notice that the world keeps going. I remember when I first stopped going to church. Actually, more importantly, when I first started walking out of church, which is a little bit more fun than not going. I mean, what? It's really fun to just do other things on Sunday, but there's something really electrically exciting about walking out of church, (laughs) which I did for a long time. And as I was kind of like weaning myself off church, still every like every few months or every few years, I would go back and I would go back and walk out, like go back, do the first part of the service (laughs) and then walk out, usually just as the sermon was starting. Anyways... So then my goal became to give sermons that people won't walk out on. Sermons being a loose term for like sharing something maybe helpful, which I guess I'm doing in the podcast. And in this case, you can walk out if you want. So that's great for both of us. <laughs> Anyways, I remember when I first started walking out of church, I, uh, I would get out and Sunday service would still be happening and I'd be like walking to Tim Hortons. For you non-Canadians, that's like a donut coffee franchise. And um, I remember this amazing sensation of like, people are just driving around. There's like people crossing crosswalks. Tim Hortons is open on Sundays. You can go buy a donut at 11 o'clock in the morning. Like any Sunday that you want. This, Like it's as if I'd spent so many Sundays from 10.30 to 12.30 in a church as if like the world stopped. (laughs) It's like it didn't. Turns out the world keeps going on Sunday mornings and uh, you can still buy donuts. So Sabbath is a little bit like that in that we need to learn that if we stop, the world's going to keep going. You know, like people might miss you at your office if you're gone and a lot of things will stop. But like, The world will keep going, even if your particular world completely fell apart, like spring's still going to come, you know, like the daffodils are still going to pop up. You are not that indispensable. And that's good for us to feel. It's a little bit hard on our egos. I think egos don't really like Sabbath. They kind of like working and feeling important and being awake. So in a smaller way. I want to talk to you in closing about naps. Because naps are kind of like a tiny Sabbath, like within a day. And I don't have naps every day, but I ha- I really like naps. And naps seem to kind of go out of fashion at a certain age. And I think we should bring them back. Like 
kids seem to have naps, and then they stop having naps, and then elderly people get to have naps. And mid-range in life, like, where did we miss out on the naps? Few great things about naps. One, you get to be cozy, which brings me to recommendation. I suggest if you're napping, you make it different than sleeping. So I usually sleep in my bed naked. So when I nap, I don't sleep in my bed naked. I always wear clothes when I'm napping. Maybe take off like, you know, I don't nap in my rain jacket, but keep wearing my day clothes. I don't change into my pajamas. So napping happens in day clothes. So I have pajamas, which I don't often sleep in. Pajamas are for like nighttime. So napping is for day clothes, comfy day clothes. And either if I'm napping in bed, then I don't go under the sheets. I just go under a blanket or I nap on the couch. And I think this helps with not confusing my whole sleep cycle because napping is like a different quality and length of, it's a different thing than sleep. And I, if you confuse the two, you can get kind of out of sync. So physically doing something different with your nap, like on the couch or leave the light on or not climb under the sheets or wear your day clothes or all of the above helps for your body to know this is a different kind of rest that we're doing. Naps can be bring really interesting kind of daydream dream elements, which can be very insightful. Some famously wise people like Albert Einstein have used this liminal space of napping to gain insights, as you may have already heard. And it can be a great time to reset, to kind of feel like you get a fresh start. It'd be a great time to snuggle with a cat or a lover and have this different quality of, like just to experience a different time of the day together. Some people find it hard to wake up from naps. I think that treating them differently than sleeping helps. And also a gentle exit, like, uh, like not setting a harsh alarm and making sure you have a warm sweater to put on when you wake up and making tea like having not a jarring exit will also help. And if you happen to get grumpy, napping can take some practice. And sometimes you wake up grumpy. And just, it's kind of endearing. Like imagine if your kid woke up grumpy. You just kind of want to give them a hug and go, oh, you're grumpy because you just woke up from a nap. Which is funny because sometimes you're grumpy because you need a nap. So grumpy and nap have like, very close relationship like they're kind of bedfellows and so whichever one you have if you have grumpy or you have nap or you have grumpy on both sides of naps you just gotta you just gotta snuggle up to both of them and like hold the grumpiness even that sound last week we were talking about I was talking you were probably listening about onomatopoeia words that sound like they are and grumpy just listen to it. Grumpy. You can't, like, it's, you have to kind of hold it. So if you wake up grumpy from your nap, just hold yourself and then practice again the next day. And it does get easier. Easier to wake up with a feeling of refreshment and switch gears. And at least in my case, my body has gotten really good at kind of a certain timing 
And I don't need to set an alarm from a nap. I just wake up and move on to the next thing. I believe that these rhythms of rest, of napping, of Sabbath, of letting the land rest, are built into how creation works best, of making things and resting, and growing things and resting. And that we personally and societally would do very well to study, I don't mean in books, though you could read about uh, more, study as in practice, try, make a study of these rhythms of rest, that there's treasures in store for us as we follow these. And not follow in some sort of strict sense, not even a sense that anybody else tells us about, The stories I share are merely to make you chuckle and hopefully inspire you to find some of your own ways of resting and that you would feel refreshed and better able to enjoy yourself and life and what you are here to make of your own creations. So I hope that on this seventh dose, you feel some of that inspiration to rest. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've made it this far, thanks for not walking out. If you'd like to walk out into the sunshine and buy a donut, uh, that would be great. If you'd like to come say hi, you can leave me a voice note in the show notes. You can also check out Magic for Realists on Instagram or the website magicforrealists.ca. It would be great to hear from you. And if there's any other realists in your life that you feel could use a little magic, I would be honored if you would share this show. And if you would subscribe to it and rate and review it, I would be thrilled to receive that and also to know that you are helping the algorithm get this podcast to more people who might enjoy it. So thank you for that. Thanks for listening. And until next time, may you experience the magic of the real world. Bye for now.